Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, well, uh, why in which case, give us let's, a like, let's get give us a rating and, in fact, and give us a review I am as well. Already so recording. Lee, without further ado, how are you doing? get your thinking caps on I'm, and let's I'm, get on I'm really well, thank episode. you, Chris. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent. I mean, apart from the fact that it's been solidly raining for about a month now, um, I've been, you know, it's keeping my spirits high, even though I'm having to sort of trudge my child to school in and being absolutely soaked at the end of it. Do you know what? Life can't get much better than that. We, we know how much the kids love a good walk to school in the rain as well. It's, they do, uh, yeah. It's got to be they a do. highlight of your morning before the day's even started. That's right. And then you come back home and you put the fire on, you roast some chestnuts, and life is better. <laughs> oh, you, would... you, you've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that if that was my breakfast. My morning breakfast was chestnuts. I don't know how we managed to get onto this, but for some reason, this is a thing now. Thinking chestnuts. I, I, I do think that this is... Uh, look, everybody, just, just wait for the YouTube video. We are going to socially distance and roast some chestnuts. I think that's our next how-to video. Oh, that's true. And our, our videos on YouTube are getting... How, how can I describe them? They're getting more unique shall we say. Um, that's because what I've realized is that um, the, uh, the, the inner youth leader in me, but I've never been a youth leader, it's worth me noting that from the start, but the inner youth leader that must obviously be latent in me is now bubbling up to make funny intros to strategy videos. Because what more do you want if you're doing a YouTube video than something, uh, something a little bit funny? I mean, allegedly funny. I was going to say, I think that's subjective, Chris. But, uh, you know. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, I think, my, you know, the threshold for me doing comedy is low. Um, so, um, but I think maybe what people will do, at the very least, they'll watch it and be like, ah, oh, he, he's trying. He's trying. Yeah. I'll listen. I'll pity say, him. You're going for the pity. You're going for the sympathy vote. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what? If that means that people will listen beyond one second then i'm i'm good we're in a good territory and who knows that the so that yes the the videos might be of interest and at some point i'm sure we will do a chestnut roasting youtube video i don't know how we'll make this interesting but we'll we'll find a way it 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 just feels like we have to do it now that's that that's where i'm at is it's been built up to such an extent that I feel it's part of our duty uh, to 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 supply a how-to. Yes, we can do the strategy of chestnuts. Maybe that that's what. We... <laughs> Is this the sort of like yeah a properly thinking chestnut? So it's not just about you know it's setting the fire properly. It's you know do you use foil or do you use another receptacle to roast the chestnuts in? Do you score the chestnuts in a cross shape beforehand or not? You know all these things oh, do you need to be answered. Brussels sprouts cook quicker. Exactly. Yes. L- l- little scoring across the bottom. Yes. Is this what we're going to do? Like for <laughs> for forty-five <laughs> minutes today, we are going to be talking about scoring chestnuts and vegetables. 
how to how to prep your Christmas dinner. Yes, I think probably on that note we should move on to the subject. Um, so today we're going to be talking. We should also at... we should let everybody know we haven't recorded this back to back with the last episode. No. Over a week has gone by between these, and this is how near to hit the front of his thinking this is still. I would say help, Chris. it's it's never far from my thoughts. Um, and maybe it's because of the lack. The lack of a, a fireplace in my house means that it's it's brought ever closer to the forefront of my uh, of my brain. Who knows? Anyway, let's move on to, to the, the subject. We're going to talk about trustees today, or as I've labelled it, trust ease um, on my notes. I see what you did there, Chris. I see exactly. what you did. Because I think that sounds a bit, it can feel a bit of a dry subject talking about trustees and, you know, with good, good warrant, but we're going to try and make this as interesting and informative and, um, you know, it's going to be an enjoyable discussion. Uh, so let's, let's kick it off. Lee, problems do tend to exist between leadership teams and trustees can you just unpack that for me where where has it all gone wrong why is it two tribes have gone to war and i don't know the rest of that line of that song no it, well as with most of these things it comes down to clarity or lack of and you know the, the problem that exists here is that sometimes the leadership team are the trustees we'll come on to this a little bit later on when it's with some of the structure stuff uh, whereas if they're at war with one another, that's just person against person and hopefully not them against themselves. Uh, but when they exist as two two teams, look, trustees can be seen as the people that say yes to stuff and say no to stuff. And if they say no to stuff, people say, are they, uh, are they got faith for what we're doing? And it just breaks down because we just misunderstand what these roles are. There's a lack of clarity that lack of understanding about what people are supposed to be doing and what we've given them permission to do. And at the end of the day, it is a structure that we have that is legal, uh, that has certain rules and regulations and as well as guidance. And there's a difference between must and should. So, you know, must is like a legal prerequisite and uh, should is kind of that idea of best practice and good guidance. And we confuse it, it gets muddy, we think that uh, we're not permitted to do the stuff we're supposed to be doing, and it just gets a bit grey, and that lack of clarity is where the problems creep in. And the, the role of a trustee 10 years ago and 20 years ago as to what's required to today, you know, fundamentally some things haven't changed, but the context we're in does and so you know we need to think about updating it and keeping it moving and these are the things again when there's no clarity and understanding goes missing that's where problems start to occur yeah that's right uh well this all started and this conversation started because i wanted to make a little youtube video about it and i made it and showed it to you and you basically told me to to can all of it uh, in in reality, because in, because we, when you're starting to think about it, the complexity starts to to creep in, and um, the more and more I realised I didn't actually know what I was uh, talking about. But uh, the one thing I do remember from that conversation was you said this to me. You said, "Chris, it's all about the governing documents." So can you just talk to me about governing documents? What that is, 
you know, unpack it for in, in layman's terms so that I'm, I feel more educated. Well, and I think when you say that we're going to talk about it, this is about the thinking. You know, we call thinking church and it's about getting just the processes in place that we address these topics. Now, people will have a unique circumstances to where they're set up and how they're running and maybe their denomination has an impact on these things. And again, we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. But ultimately, you're, you have a governing document as an organisation. So if you're a registered charity uh, and even in some of the different structures, there is a document about how you will be governed and how you operate. And that's the thing where it can be unique and it can differ, but that lays out how you are going to operate and why you operate that way and gives you the rules for how you will do things. And that's everything from appointing uh, trustees and retiring trustees through to, and this is one of the ones that we've come across recently. We all know there's been a pandemic and we know that most people have had to do things online. And we've had people say, our trustees have met and we met on Zoom. Did you know that you probably need a line in your governing document to say that you can meet remotely and that you can have like virtual presence to do your trustee meetings? And sometimes the governing document won't permit it and says it needs to be in person. And sometimes it does. Now's a good time to check that that's up to date and that you can meet how you have been meeting. Uh, I won't speak on their behalf. I'd imagine the Charity Commission are going to be a little lenient at the minute, judging by the climate. But, uh, you know, it's good to make sure that your document permits all the things that you want to do and how you actually operate, particularly if you've got trustees and people on board who aren't local to you and you've actually got people on board from further afield you might not want them to trek up and down the country for an hour's meeting once a quarter. So actually having it built in there that you can meet remotely is, is necessary. Uh, even down to whether you can pay a trustee and remunerate them if one of those people happens to also be a member of staff. These are all the things that are in your governing document and it's worthwhile making sure that you review it periodically to ensure that it's fit for purpose. So who is really in charge of the church? Is it the leadership team or is it the trustees? Because that's, let's be honest, we've got to, let's just get into this and let's answer that question now. So it is that the trustees ultimately have the kind of like fiscal and legal responsibility. Um, who they are can differ in different situations but uh they're the people with the general control and management and administration of the charity that's basically the legal definition of a charity trustee uh so and that's how they'll be referred to in the legal documents so 
that that's where it comes to where we go after that is you get the argument of but what about spiritual direction uh, and spiritual leadership don't worry about this so much contrary maybe to what some people would maybe think spiritual direction is actually recognized by the charity commission okay so they understand that churches have a slightly unique position in that we have the the stewardship and the management of the and looking after what god has called us to as well as some of the kind of like financial legal hr safeguarding aspect which might be more of uh, what we would term on the, on the governance and trustee side okay so it is recognized that, uh, that there is spiritual direction uh and indeed like if you you know we work with baptist churches in a baptist setup the deacons are also the trustees mm-hmm. uh our anglican friends uh and some of the anglican churches that we work with you you would have a, a similar setup where the pcc which is the parochial church council that's essentially your trustees uh but they also often move out building responsibilities becomes a diocese uh concern so there are different setups that take it into account but at the end of the day look spiritual direction uh is is recognized uh and that there is a leading on that but it doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that you have to manage well looking at the financial legal aspects of how you operate and how you maintain Right. Okay. Um, so that leads us on to thinking about, so if the, if, if spiritual direction is recognized, but also we need trustees, what role do trustees play? So who's setting the goals? Let's start with that one. Who's setting the goals for the church? So you also have a little bit chicken and egg, uh, I think here, because if somebody, if somebody goes out and feels that they're called to start a church, on day one, there's them trying to start a church. And so they're leading every aspect of that and setting the vision, setting the purpose. This is the point when they start contacting people that they know who might come on board to assist them with that. And as they become a registered entity and take on their charity status, that they would probably be gathering some people who they might know or people they know with expertise to come alongside and help them. And so what you've got is that that is very heavily led. But for an existing charity who've got trustees in place, and you might have then, you might be approaching a point where there is a transition of staff, or that leader is going to retire or move on, that the trustees are then heavily involved in the recruitment and the maintaining of that charity to ensure it's got stability going forward. So you've got you know, you've got the difference between one starting out and one that's already in flight. Now, look, we're in the church context, we're going to believe that the spiritual direction and oversight sits with the person who we are appointing as the, the, the church leader. That's the, you know, that we're expecting them to bring uh, vision and direction, to be hearing from God and to be guiding and stewarding that uh, well in all those contexts. It doesn't mean that uh, should the wheels come off that the trustees can't be involved and put things in place, everything from discipline to uh, uh, letting them go and following due process to see those things through. 
but actually the you know we we are going to let them get on and set that direction and often there are two teams at this point you will have your trustee team and you will have like your your spiritual team or your leadership team but again in some instances this is the same team now you know there are ways that this works and there are pros and cons for both ways of doing it i think when you say that you need to really be listening to what you're trying to do if you're a if you're a small team and a, and you're you know the church isn't particularly uh, huge there's a practicality for having that to be the same people uh, and maybe that's the time though then when you actually look for an external trustee to be another voice into your situation uh, and to kind of like question and probe let's remember that trustees, if they ask an awkward question, and if they question you and probe you on something to understand why you want to do it, we're believing that they are asking those questions because of their belief, because we've asked them to take that role on. It's not a lack of faith that they trying to probe and find out more detail and have understanding, or maybe on occasion when they say no to something because they need more information. Like it's, this is the healthy aspect, you know, to bring that tension between the two things. At the end of the day, we, we should be able to defend the position that we want from a spiritual standpoint about how we want to grow and develop the church, how we want to bring health and how we want to lead it. It should stand up to scrutiny that from a legal perspective, are we achieving the objectives of the charity? Are we advancing the faith? Are we relief? you know, bringing relief to the poor, or we've got benefit of mankind, all these kind of things. If we're going to say that we're going to do them and they are objects of our charity, when we come up with an idea, it is fair to be challenged to see whether that idea actually fits in with those objects. So, you know, we need, we need to understand that the trustees are there to do a role and it's a very, very difficult role because if they challenge anything or ask questions, we can often see them as negative when actually that's what they are there to do. It's a role for which they are there to fulfill. And it's, it brings great value. And I often will raise some things that maybe otherwise a leadership team might not have considered. And, you know, needing people to help us, needing to take on staff, needing to work with volunteers, you need people who can help make that happen well to a high standard because all of this is for honouring God. We need to manage it well and steward it well because that brings honour. So that that's kind of the standpoint. So don't don't separate them too widely, but find the tension and find what works for you. But think it through. How do you want this to work? Do you want it to be the same team because you want you know the the ease of management and it's a small group, or actually because you're growing, does it help you with accountability and confidence from other people looking at you if it's two separate teams? So it stands up to higher scrutiny, particularly as you get bigger, as you handle more money, as you have more staff. I think there's some health often to having either an external voice or a separate team. Most, a lot of churches would pick 
trustees or tr- trustees are invited to become trustees often or traditionally because they're either they've been in the church a long time maybe there's someone like the, who's kind of holds that kind of elder status in the church yeah. a bit of a church stalwart stalwart stall stalwart stalwart uh, stalwart stalwart there we are let's go into every pronunciation we'll cover it i'll just cover it there that's fine so that so there's that approach but i there's also a new approach which is looking more at skill-based approach for so the specific roles within the trustee board uh lee just could you talk me through that and how that shift is starting to take place it's not always it's a bit of a luxury to have everything you need within your close group uh, people that you already know who can bring everything that you need particularly if your governing document is saying that you are going to you know retire trustees and rotate them periodically and you they have to go so many terms before they can stand again for like re-election so some people might only be getting uh anyway like five to seven years and then be off but you know we've all met churches where they've had trustees in place for 30 odd years and you know and maybe that's not what's in the governing documents you know please be mindful of that but people that support you and people that are for you and people that who are good people is absolutely fine but on matters of finance hr risk safeguarding there are also some skill sets required there but to be the hr trustee if you've got an hr person in your church then you know that's incredible if they're also willing to give you time to be a hr trustee and look after that particular uh, uh particular area for you but more often than not what you get is is that somebody that will understand the church and understands people and cares for them maybe has no hr experience but if they decided to take that role on then you need to make sure that you know who you go to in the instance of an hr issue they need to know what number they're going to call and who your external supplier are or you know do they know how to talk to acas <clears throat> do they know how to talk to your hr provider are you you know there's other people out there but you know with employment law what it is today with what it means for volunteer management and uh, even volunteer contracts uh it, it's good to know that your hr is 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 up to standard so that person needs to know what's required and we're not or we don't all have the luxury of going to our church and fulfilling all of the necessary roles that we'd maybe want to cover uh with our immediate skill set but actually in this day and age we've got more things that we are doing that require deeper levels of skill and we need to know how to get that answer so there's nothing wrong with having subcommittees made up of people with greater areas of expertise i've led things where i am definitely not the smartest person on the team but it's i know who to go to for the answer and i know how to articulate it and brief it and how to get that done and that's the bit that's important so particularly around finance hr safeguarding risk but let's say your church also carries out some very specific projects. Let's say you work with, let's say you do counselling as opposed to uh, a pure like pastoral care thing. Let's say you actually have counselling that goes alongside it. Or you do 
uh, a particular type of youth work or intervention stuff. Or maybe you have, uh, I don't know, a church we worked with recently who had a dementia-friendly service that they ran. If you're doing that, it's probably wise to have a trustee on board who brings specific skill in that area and understanding of what that is to represent that, but also to represent the people that you serve. And I think it's good then to make sure that you've got expertise that speaks into it. So when it comes to the reporting, when it comes into uh, questions around it, that they have a deep understanding of some of the real specifics that you might be aiming to do as a church. Now, you know, the, the Charity Commission provide guidance on this. There are other agencies out there, maybe even your own denomination who will provide guidance on this. What we're saying is review it. Think this through. Is what you've got right? Is it ready for next year and your plans that you've got coming up? Now you're not meeting in person. You've got more stuff happening online. Are you looking at somebody maybe on your trustee board who actually understands uh, digital mediums and online and tech to represent that maybe more broadly who could bring a skill set there or what that might mean for your charity, your church? Uh, as, as you take things forward. So it's important that as well that your trustees have job descriptions and that you've essentially, and you know, I'll use the word, there's inverted commas around this, employed them. Like it's actually, did you go through a recruitment process to get your trustees? Have you interviewed them rather than just like, you know, taking the first person because you needed to fulfill a role? Do you have a robust process for taking trustees on? And it's the trustees' responsibility, really, and legally, for finding other trustees. Now, sometimes they will delegate that to staff, but they still need to go through uh, the proper process. So how did you onboard them? Did they know what they came into? Did you have a skills audit? Have we got a role description? Have they signed up to it? Do they know what their roles and responsibilities are? Like, you know, it's the basics. And again, it comes down to, have we given them clarity? Yeah, that's right. Um, so how I'm trying to think this through now is that the the function from what it seems to me of what a, a trustee board is there to do is if you've got spiritual leadership, the trustees are the kind of the feedback loop that you need before your plan goes into action. To me, yeah. if you've got people that go, okay, I'm an expert in finance, or we, you know, is the person responsible for getting that, you know, that expertise from an outside source, for instance, um, but or so for finance, for risk, for you know, legal matters, safeguarding. If you've got a plan and you haven't put it through that filter to begin with, you know, you have no idea whether that plan is ethical, legal, all those kind of things. You're just relying on your own intuition. Whereas if you can run it through that, the filter of the trustees first, it doesn't mean that they're, they're there to say no to your plan, but they have to shape that plan to make sure that it is, or, you know, it is compliant, that it is. Um, so is, is that a good model of thinking about it in terms of like a, a filter that's kind of goes, goes through before you start taking vision and plans further? They're, they're this kind of filter that it needs to go through. Yeah, particularly before you start doing like the vision casting element of this, you want to know that it's been thought through. So if anybody brings any challenge, it's one thing. 
announcing to your congregation that you're going to do project x and off you go and it's a new great thing if a bunch of people in the congregation spot that that means some other people are going to be made redundant now churches don't always get projects like this come along or make transitions like this but actually sometimes that that pivoting means that we have to make tough decisions as well you need some people with you who can carry the weight and it's like yeah we agree that you're hearing from god we agree that this is the change of direction and we agree that this is where we're going and we know that this is what we need to do for tomorrow uh but actually that's going to impact finance and budgeting it's going to change us uh, maybe you've grown and now you're going from an independent examination you're going to be audited uh maybe you are going to have to make staff changes maybe you do have to put people at risk maybe you have got things that are happening uh even down to like you know the time we've been in like you know managing furlough and uh all of these kind of things or if you've had buildings and you've been doing room hire and you know you know that's not returning to normal and you've got to make kind of the more business decisions like just because you're 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 hearing and you're putting these things into into practice you need some people that you can sound that off who go no that's absolutely fine that's your your decision is right we believe you're hearing from god we do all of this but to get to that you're going to need to do these legal steps we're going to need to do this hr process we need to do this to our safeguarding we need to change our insurance to make sure that we're covered for doing what we're about to do uh you know if you've also got meeting from in a building to meeting outside or you've got new equipment it's like are are you appropriately covered who's checking up on that making sure that everything you want to do is supported by the systems policies and procedures that you've got in place who's checking that so that that's where they come in then when you cast the vision you can say that you know we've put this forward and we've spoken to the trustees and the trustees have reported back and this is our plan uh and it will give people confidence that they know that there has been an appropriate challenge brought to the idea uh and at the end of the day i don't i think if i ever came up with an idea and it wasn't challenged i would genuinely wonder if i'd had the right idea i don't mind that people agree with me but i would want people to kick the tires of it and at least give me some pushback to make sure that i thought it all through uh and that's not you know people questioning my credibility that's generally people who want the best for me the idea the church and the impact that we can have as a church perfect Yeah, I'm. I can hear church pastors around, you know, them listening to this and going, "Yeah, I understand the need for accountability and for pushback." And but doesn't that just slow the whole thing down? You know, we've got a vision, we need to run with it. And a lot of the time, you know, churches are going, "You know, what's the vision for 2021?" Oh no, we're in October 2020. Let we've got to we've got to work out the vision and cast it straight away. Um, doesn't it just, you know, running it through trustees, doesn't it just slow everything down? Yes. But what it really does is it helps you count the cost. And that that's that's a thing. Like there's we need to understand what we're embarking on before we do it. And we've got to stop getting this reactive nonsense that that 
things are moving so quickly. Like we're not taking God by surprise. Uh, let's get those, you know, those kind of like things out of the way. And yes, it might seem that it's slowing it down, but it's helping us count the cost before we begin. That's what it's doing. And proper planning today will help it be faster in the future. It'll help us avoid mistakes. It helps make sure that we've done everything and that we're honourable with the process uh, and that nothing is missed. That's why it's there. And it might seem that it slows it down. Start sooner. Don't think about Christmas in December. You know, it's it, it, you know, it's one of those kind of things that we see in planning all the time. We still work with churches regularly who are surprised by things like Christmas and Easter coming around when it comes to planning. And it's, no, you know when the end of the year is coming. You know when your budget time is. You know when your annual report is. You know when your, uh, when your accounting has to be done. Like, get your calendar in place early that you're having these conversations well in advance. Um, and we you know we hear people push back and stuff like that, but we want to be in the spirit, we want to be responsive. It's like I get that. And you know, God does intervene uh, sometimes and you know, trump all of our ideas and uh, you know, stuff happens. But God also understands counting the cost and proper planning. He's an architect. He this is how God works. So let's not let's let's not throw it all out for the fact that we want to be you know free uh, and flexible. Actually, the more stuff we have in place that's done well, the faster it will be anyway. If your HR is up to date, if your policies are up to date, if we know all of the processes that are required, if we know about safeguarding, if we know how to get DBS checks. When the pastor comes and says, this is what God's saying, and we need to do X, and we're going to take on two new members of staff, everybody just jumps in and goes, yeah, that's great, that's perfect. We all understand it. There's a clear role in everything for this. We, we know the reasoning. Here's your, here's your recruitment process. Here's the safer recruitment process. Here's how we do a job ad. Here's how we communicate. And here's our common strategy about how we tell the congregation. All in place already. So more of this stuff has to be done uh, in advance, but it might seem slow the first couple of times as you get to grips with it, but ultimately it's about counting the cost before you begin. And actually you need to budget that into your time and your planning and your thinking. Yeah, and I guess, you know, many uh, trustees, they will maybe only meet a few times a year. Maybe it's three, two, three, four times a year. It's not a lot of meetings. And I wonder whether if there's a better way for church leaders to think rather than I will wait for that meeting to present my plan and then get the feedback. You can, you can still gain the expertise of those trustees way before that meeting. And in one sense, you, if you utilize their skill set whilst you're formulating the plan, now that doesn't mean they have to be on your leadership team, but they need to be that kind of like consultation phase where we're going to go through this. And by the time you get to the, the official trustee meeting, in one sense, it should be the most boring meeting in the world because it should be a, yeah, it's already been scrutinized. It's already been thought through. We understand the plan. It's, a, it's, it's just going through. So this is where I want you to correct me if that is utterly illegal. But is that a good <laughs> way of being able to, to, to run things? Because that does mean that you can be, you can maintain that element of speed because you're using 
rather than waiting for this you know trustee meeting to to go right let's have a look at the plan oh i don't like that and then they come back and then you've got to rejig the plan but if you're working with them all the way through you can maintain that speed that when you get to that trustee meeting actually you you already know that thing is going to go through because you already know it's gone through all of the scrutiny beforehand Basically, it's keeping communication open and also bringing clarity. You should not be turning up to a trustee meeting and dropping a surprise. Like people should be, you know, aware before it happens. You should be circulating things ahead of time so that people are prepped when they come to a meeting. And don't get me started on how, how to, you know, how poorly run some meetings are. But it, it shouldn't be that when I turn up to the trustee meeting, I get given 20 pages of material to read. I should have had that read, prepped, questions prepared, all before I arrive at the meeting. And then the meeting should run to an agenda. And there should be standing items on the meeting that happen each time and stuff that happens on one of them throughout the year. So, you know, the first quarter trustee meeting is going to be focused on HR. And that's when we do a policy review. But if a change happens later in the year, you're not going to wait for the next meeting round to put in new HR guidance or updates to pensions and those kind of things. They need acting on. Now, not everything, you know, when, it, when some of these things are also legal, so whether the trustees kind of like it in one sense, like it or not, You've got no nothing to do but approve it. Let's take the pensions one, for example. If your guys are involved uh, on your teams, uh, are all enrolled in a pension scheme, and the government state that pension contributions are about to go up, you can't say no. <laughs> like, you've just got something you've got to act on and do. Now, you might go to your HR and your finance trustee and say, do we need to send everybody a letter? Uh, how does that happen? Uh, do we need to re-budget? Do we need to do something? Was it planned for? What do we need to do? And they might say, oh, no, that's absolutely fine. The team that we've got in place, if you've got people employed or an outsourced payroll bureau or something like that or an outsourced HR partner, they might go, yep, yeah, drop them the email. It's all in action. When it comes through, we'll rubber stamp it. And at the next meeting, as a trustee meeting, we're going to say what happened, what process we went through, how we came to the conclusion, and is everybody happy with it? Like, there's not a lot you can do to avoid it. Some of those things are just coming. But you can't be so naive as to think as well that stuff doesn't just happen between meetings. I'd imagine that lots of, uh, lots of church trustee boards met in early March, say, if they were know first quarter kind of meeting and then in april it all changed and i imagine that they were all back in having a conversation on the phone again working out how things were going to happen what it meant for the building what it meant for staffing what it meant for furlough you know things happen keep lines of communication open communicate frequently keep people up to date don't let it be that there's going to be a bunch of surprises plan well communicate well bring clarity every time.
Uh, we've talked before about the makeup of the team. Uh, if you don't have the necessary skill set, and I know you can said you can go out to you know find outside support in terms of you know this person responsible for going to speak to the HR professional in this company, but can you use to so do trustees have to be members of your church? Do they have to be Christians and hold to the beliefs? What what's the rules for being a trustee? Um, I believe you just have to be over a certain age and be human. So, so uh, that means octopuses are out, dogs and yeah. cats are out. Yeah, and yeah, you you can't bring on your newborn child. Uh, look, these there's like you know there's the legal definition, which is uh, I know, I've just literally gone blank whether it's over sixteen or over eighteen. Um, I will check that out. But there's, there's over a certain age and uh, being human is kind of like the prerequisites, a bit like being a director of a company, okay? There's how extreme do you want to be? So I can talk about my, my personal experience is I am a trustee for two separate churches. I attend neither and I am not local to either. Right. So they one is a large multi-site running across the UK. One is a brand new startup in the Midlands. And I've taken, largely speaking, I've got a strategy trustee role with both of those to speak into it and be a sounding board, uh, mostly because of the nature of the work I do and that that's it. But there was relationship and there was personal connection, which is why I was invited. But I'm still external and that's fine. So do you need to be a part of the church? Not necessarily. But what does your governing document say? Because sometimes it will say that you're going to have to have people who have got, you know, a deeper connection or attendance because people can write in whatever they like. This is the other thing. I worked with a church once who were like saying, oh, this is what our governing document says because that keeps the Charity Commission happy. But it's not really how we work, because we know that they don't recognise X, Y, and Z, and they're not spiritual. At which point it was like, no, actually, from a legal point of view, you can pretty much put anything you want as to how you want to operate into a governing document. The Charity Commission are there to ensure that you meet those requirements and do what you say you will do. So if you want it to be that these people all have a professing faith or, you know, attend churches or bring some, you can do lots of those things. You can have that written in. Don't panic. Uh, so, you know, how many of you are now going to go and find your governing document and see, see what it says? Um, look, acid test at the end of the day. Uh, shall we take an extreme example to push this to its absolute limit? Go for it. As a pastor of a church, you should be able to go and get any trustee from anywhere, regardless of their faith or lack of, uh, and get them to just fill those roles based on expertise and skill alone, whether they kind of even like you. And your vision against the objectives of your church charity should hold up under scrutiny and they should have no way to say no if you are right in what you are doing 
they should look at it. And if you're saying, I want to employ a person because it helps us advance the Christian faith, beat, uh, you know, relief of those who are in need and will help us with our school's work and deliver evangelism training, they should look at that and go, well, you're meeting these people. Here's the numbers. These are a number of people coming through to baptism so we can see that you're effective. This is the number of school assemblies that you're running. These are the number of things that you're doing. This is how many care parcels you put out. They should look at it and be able to go, I see no reason to say no. That's what you're asking them to do. Now, that is extreme, okay, right, because you shouldn't be in that place. But ultimately, like, we sometimes shy away from the fact of wanting to do the job well for people who will just permit us to do things a bit quicker and with less rigor. Um, but if they are, you don't want a bunch of yes people on that team. You want a bunch of people who will question, will probe, but actually ultimately are going, what are we here to do? And maybe, maybe, the, maybe the idea that that pastor or that leader has come forward with means that you're looking at it going, we have to say no because we don't have an objective as a charity to do that. But we really believe in the idea and the presentation of what you put forward. Maybe we should add the objective. Maybe we should change our governing document to permit what you're on about. Maybe that's what we need to do. But ultimately, they could be anybody. It depends what you've got written in. Uh, occasionally, if the charity commission get involved because they see a failing, you could get you could get assigned, you know, like a chair of trustees or somebody that is totally outside your organisation to help, you know, write things. So, you know, it does happen. Uh, fortunately, it's pretty rare. Uh, but, but ultimately, look, you're going to find people who you're in relationship with. Make sure your governing document permits it. Uh, particularly now, add in that you can meet remotely, that you don't need to be physically present to do stuff. I think that's just helpful in this day and age. People are traveling for work. Even those that are in your own church might not be available on every date. They might be in a hotel somewhere. Um, I've attended trustee meetings where people have dialed in from all around the world. It's absolutely fine. But, you know, ultimately, it's about, you know, you're going to pick people who are for you, who actually care for you, who have a belief in what you're doing. That is who you're going to attract. If you advertise those positions, it's unlikely you're going to get somebody totally external to your organization apply. But don't rule it out either. If there's somebody there who says, actually, I could bring you significant skill in this area, you know, don't, 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 maybe, maybe don't rule it out. But you're generally going to attract people who want to work with you, who are for you then it's about their skill and their training and how we equip them, how we bring clarity to their role, what, role, what job description we give them as a trustee to make sure that they are clear on what they are there to do. And do we give them every chance of success? Do they know who they call in crisis? Do they know who your HR provider are? Do they know who your accountant is? Do they know how to get the answers if something is going wrong? And if you're fortunate enough to have staffing that matches those roles, or your team are fulfilling those trustee roles, just make sure that you're doing it with that degree that you want to do it right, because this is about honouring God through all that we do. It's about proper planning. It's about bringing clarity. It's about ensuring that we have thought about this. 
And then we check the legality of it and we run it past the solicitors to make sure everything that we want to do is as it should be and documented the way that's required. So um, I've got one more question that I just, and thank you for, you know, you've basically done all the talking in this episode, which is, you know, that works for me. I could have just been having a coffee. That, that's fine. It's because the videos I make are less fun. That's all it is, Chris. Well, well, I wouldn't want to say anything about that at all. Well, one more question. I want to grow you one more question. Um, you see a number of churches, especially over in the States, where you see that you look at the website on the About Us page and you see the leadership team or the, you know, the board, and they've all got the same surname. Uh, is that allowable in the UK? What, what do the Charity Commission think about that? So, the being related uh, does impact things when it comes to being able to make uh, decisions, uh, especially when you need uh, quorum. So, you can have related parties on trustee teams, and it does happen. You often, you you know, often have a, a husband and wife that maybe lead a church and they're two founding uh the pastors but also maybe on the trustee board but they need to be outweighed by people who are unrelated okay so that you don't get conflict particularly when it comes to things such as remuneration deciding salary uh and, and, and things like that okay so um we we've there's a, there's a really interesting one that we actually had phone in where their their trustee board uh, was was already quite small because they were transitioning, uh, and one of the trustees was related to another trustee and married a member of staff. Right. Okay. Which obviously closes the circle when it comes to remunerating that member of staff, because you've now got two trustees who aren't related. But one of those trustees is both both trustees related to the member of staff now, but both the trustees weren't related. So you, you look situations arise. So just be prepared in any of those when those things happen. Again, have you planned? Have you checked? What does your governing document say? Did you bring clarity? Is it minuted? Like I said to them, it's like basically it comes down to it. And the charity commission knocked on your door tomorrow. If you went, oh, we didn't know that that was a problem, they're going to go, right, you're going to get your knuckles wrapped because you should. If you said, no, we're aware that that's an issue, this is what we're doing in, in, to plan for that, this is where it's minuted, and these are what actions we're going to take as a result, they're going to go, great, you've got a process and you're doing it. So check your document, plan appropriately, communicate well, bring clarity. and. Don't let everybody on the uh, team all be related. It's less about the same surname and more about being related uh, mm -hmm. because we've also been in places. There are a lot of Joneses. There are a lot of Smiths. You know what I mean? It's like you're going to get a lot of the same surnames in some situations. But really, it's about who's related and does it, does it raise conflict when it comes to decisions? So can you get quorum? Can you get a majority vote without the related parties being involved? Well, Lee, that's, this has been actually really, really helpful. 
and um, and you have bought what is potentially a uh, a dry subject. You have made it, you know, you've given it the elixir of youth. Yeah. And, um, so yes, so thank you for that, Lee. Thank you for your for your time as ever. I'm sure we'll be back with some uh, with another strat- strategic strategic topic. That'll do. That'll do. Another strategic absolutely. topic next week. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think it's worth just just like following in here that that we also have partners who uh, that we work with from uh, different size solicitors firms and people who help with the peculiarities that come up in in church context so they're specific with uh advice to faith-based organizations as they term it uh, but we you know for, for this for this environment and context we're in we're talking about uh the christian church look this is also where we we are looking at uh running some future webinars and we're going to have some stuff behind our membership on the website as well that gives extra information on these topics so if these things affect you, then please feel free to drop us an email, contact us on social media, get in touch and ask your questions if you need anything uh, uh, clarifying or any assistance and help. And, you know, we there's uh, other than Chris and I, there are other people on our team as well who can help and speak into this. If you're looking at a governance review, if you want to do a trustee audit, if you're looking at those skills, roles, responsibilities and how to appraise it, get in touch. We would love to help see you prepare for success and see the kingdom of God uh, just be, well, one, glorified, but two, that your church has the impact it should have to build and grow and develop the local church. Yeah, brilliant. And just uh, to uh, raise the thing that you said about membership, yeah, we are we are offering uh, membership to with Thinking Church, and it's basically video facilitation on a whole host of subjects. We've got three courses up at the moment, and you can go and visit that www.thinking.church/slash membership. Uh, so and see that there, and it's a, it's a great thing. So, yes, Lee, thank you so much for your time thank today. You. A pleasure as always, and I will see you again next week. Thank you very much. Catch you soon. Bye bye. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.